0: And We are live. Here we are in this wonderful world we are in. Uh, I We have two guests today, two surprise guests. Lawson first, Lawson Thresher, director, you know. He's been here before to talk about Friedkin, but we're here to talk about Scorsese today. And then we have my good buddy Mac down there below. Uh, to talk about Scorsese, you know, good friend of mine, also filmmaker, uh, actor as well. Add that in there. And then you got me, you know who I am. Seen me seven times already. And then let's see what else. I think let's let's go right with the JFP intro. You guys ready for the sexy intro?
1: Let's do it.
0: Thank you to Will for that intro from the network. Props to him for creating that. And uh, I guess we're just going to get right into it. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. There we are at the bottom. Uh, this is a cinema podcast. I'm, this is our cinema episode. We're going to talk only strict cinema. No Marvel shit in here. Only the real cinema. I'm wearing my h 24 shirt guys like the, i can't it's mirrored so it's hard for me to coordinate but you know yep, a24 you know even though this is an a24 film a24 is real cinema shout out a24 it's good boys how's it going it's going great i don't know why it says facebook user is that deontay but okay <laughs> we're doing good how are you guys doing great doing swell doing swell okay so i guess mm-hmm. this st- i'm I'm a, I'm a terrible host deontay's better at this but uh to start it out oh it's will okay it's the boy will what's up will in the comments how you doing uh let's start out with since we're talking to scorsese what are your guys's favorite scorsese movies you, either one of you can go
1: you go ahead um i gotta say i gotta say killers of the flower moon i really liked it i have a lot I have a lot oh. to break down
0: wow killers Did of the flower prepared. moon
1: i have not seen a lot of scorsese movies um but uh this one up there for me
0: all right all right so i mean that's a good intro to probably what your score is for it uh well allison what about you
2: i gotta go Main street with- no, I gotta go with Taxi Driver and uh close second would be Shutter Island. I think those are both great films. Shutter
0: Island and Taxi Driver? Deontay. Yeah, he's in here. But uh yeah, Shutter Island and Taxi Driver, those are good ones. Uh, mine, if I had to go with one. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Uh maybe casino? I want to say maybe Casino, or Taxi Driver is a good one, or Shutter Island, probably, yeah. Those are my three. So basically Lawson's with Casino, of course, but yeah. Uh, I'd say that's probably mine. I mean, I've seen a lot of his films. I haven't seen all of them. Of his mainstream films, I've seen all of them except Silence and uh, Gangs of New York were the only two I have not seen from him. And uh, other than that, I've seen... All of his mainstream, like his, you know, his popular ones, Goodfellas, Casino, all those, all those good ones. So, when did you watch Killers, Matt?
1: Killers, I saw, I want to say, I think, like the day after it came out in theaters and it was a pretty pretty packed movie theater i would say um everybody was pretty pretty quiet the whole time and people sat down after the movie and just watched through all the credits and everybody left after and it was people seemed to like it
0: dang me and lawson went and saw it together a few weeks ago i think opening day on a friday and uh There's barely anybody in there, and there's a dude sleeping in there snoring during our experience.
2: I thought that was going to be the other special guest, the dude that fell asleep in the theater.
0: Yes, because he was snoring the whole time. He really was. But, uh, I mean, it is a long movie. I'll give him that. and It's it's a long movie, but the runtime is warranted, I think. I feel like the runtime is warranted. And, I mean, did you guys feel the runtime at all? You
2: might have shortened it some but not much. I mean the characters it really it got you invested in the characters. I think my favorite director was Sergio Leone and he said that a movie is only long if it's boring.
0: facts it's facts. Uh, was it like a mystery type fill or more suspense? uh kind of both. I mean the mystery is kind of blown up you know you, you know what's kind of happening within the first 30 minutes it's more of what it's more of just like watching everything happen kind of it's not there's not much mystery to it you're just watching these people infiltrate this community and kind of just completely just almost genocide like which is kind of a lot of people's issue with it is it's too dark but I mean it's got to be dark the story's dark it's based off of true history and I mean also, Shout out to Scorsese for working with the Osage people and shooting it completely in Oklahoma. I confirmed that now. I wasn't for sure, but I looked it up. He shot it completely in Oklahoma, so I'm pretty sure they had to build a town or something because the set design in this is beautiful and great. Great production value.
2: What was the budget on this film? What was it two hundred million or
0: a hundred million? Uh, I want to say. I think it was like 150 maybe right in the middle. I don't, I'm not for sure. I'd have to look it up, but uh, how long was it? It was, it's about three hours and 27 minutes, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Three
0: hours and 20, but it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. Uh, The, like I said, the story, you kind of have to see all of it. And I actually, it could have gone longer for me. Like I was so invested in the story. Where I just I I could stay another hour in that world, which a lot of people didn't want to stay in that world. I mean, it is rough, but like, I mean, sometimes you gotta you gotta experience these things because history is not always pretty. And uh, I like that Scorsese didn't hold back. I kind of wish he would have. He could have done even more brutal if he wanted to, but uh, then you're kind of leaning more into the horror aspect of it. So. But for a lot of people, he did way too much. So, I mean, I, I guess it's just mainly taste is what you want on that. Because, like, Mac, you said that uh, – I remember we texted about it, and you said that the, the brutality was kind of hard sometimes.
1: It was. Um, I saw an interesting post that uh, said – I believe the budget actually was $200 million, but somebody said this is, like, what people should spend uh, budget budget on – uh, not like uh, <laughs> Thor: Love and Thunder and uh, like uh, Quantum Mania or whatever, but like this is like what he spent two a two hundred million dollar budget on. I am not bashing those films or anything, but um, I think because the runtime is so long, I think like a budget for a film like that kind of speaks for itself and earns earns its its place, you know. Um, mainly mainly saying so because um, it may not have good rewatchability but it um, because the movie's so long and dark and gruesome and things like that but I, I feel that the, the film um, the story's so powerful with the Osage people and how how people like Ernest's character and things like that um take advantage of of the people and their their inheritance through the oil money and all that. I feel like the runtime kinda earns itself. Um even if it's only a one time watch.
0: Yeah, I mean I agree. I feel like they should just be spending two hundred million on making movies like this, giving Scorsese, giving Nolan, giving people like that the money for the production value, and just I mean, because they, I feel like they had to build a town in Oklahoma. If they shot this completely in Oklahoma, like everything I've read says, they had to have built a town or something, a big production set at least. I think that's probably where a lot of the money and Leo, of course, Leo probably took a chunk of it. I think he makes but, uh,
2: twenty-five million a picture
0: yeah which it's warranted because you got to have a character uh, actor like leo to pull off his character because his character is so stupid but like he could come off as forrest gump if he's not played right but he's the way leo plays him i think is perfect where he comes off you know he's an idiot but he doesn't come off like a Forrest scump type where you you know where you kind of feel sorry for him type way it's just uh he's just very gullible and, I mean, it's a different – it's also a different role for Leo because, I mean, Leo's always playing, like, the main protagonist. Of, I mean, like, stuff like Inception, even in Shutter Island and stuff. I mean, yeah, Shutter Island's a different thing, but, like, he's always the main guy, and he's always kind of in control of everything or of the plot or thinks he is anyway. And then uh, this one, he's kind of carried around on by a leash by Robert De Niro's character, which is pretty – I mean, he even gets spanked by Robert De Niro in this film. I mean, we said. I mean, I already. It's all we can talk spoilers in this uh, stream. So, he gets spanked by Robert De Niro. So, I mean, it really is Robert De Niro's bitch in this movie. But like, even Robert De Niro, though, he gave such a like. It's such a silent performance, but it's so well done. It kind of reminds me of Joe Pesci in Irishman in that same type of way, where it's like quiet but intense. Where, like, he doesn't say a lot, but, like, when he does say stuff, you know, he comes across a certain way. And he's just just really good. Robert De Niro is just, I mean, that's spinning circles. I mean, everybody knows Robert De Niro is good. But, like, I feel like it should be said because usually, you know, sometimes with De Niro, he plays these big bombastic roles. And, like, in this one, he's playing a more subtle character who's subtly killing people instead of, like, Goodfellas where it's over the top and it's... Uh, he's very loud and he's not in this film and uh, props to him. I mean, I I think he deserves the best supporting actor uh, nomination. And I mean, let's talk about if we're going that way, let's talk about Lily Gladstone. I think she deserves the best actress or best supporting, whatever, whatever she would fall into. She deserves the nomination. And I think the win, because the way she played, that character of Molly and the way she was able to like show like strength, but not saying a lot. And like, also like when she gets sick in the film, it's just like, you feel like really, really bad for her. Like she looks actually like really, really sick. Like she plays it off. So well. And I mean, I think I saw an interview with her and she said she was going to quit acting before this job, which is crazy. Because oh. she, w- Yeah, she wasn't getting roles. And uh, I really hope this film opens up doors for her because she was fantastic in this film.
2: I bet she'll get the
0: Oscar. She deserves it. I think she'll get a nomination for sure. She deserves it. The only person that I've seen that would beat her would maybe be Margot Robbie and Barbie. But, I mean, I love Margot Robbie, but I think this is a better performance overall uh, than that but uh and i mean where does this guy where does this movie rank for you guys of the year i know austin you don't watch many m- new movies so yours will be different but mac watches quite a few new ones like where does this rank in your like of the year of 2023
2: i can't choose between it and oppenheimer really there's apples and oranges but i think i saw three f- three films this year in theaters. And I like two of them.
0: The other one being Indiana Jones.
2: Yeah, that one was shit. But
0: <laughs> I think most most films that come out
2: now are shit. So, but this yeah. is a great film. It's I like going out and supporting films like this because I hope they make more of them.
0: What about you, Mac? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably
1: put this probably at one or two for the year. Um, I don't know, this film stood out a lot to me just because even though it was long, like Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer is one or two as well. Um, but the yeah, the commitment to the characters and the pacing of the film really uh kept us intrigued, and they were changing camera shots frequently. And yeah, again, with uh, Lily Gladstone's performance, I really, really think her although her character doesn't seem like it changes her character changes externally in her performance she kind of stays calm and restrained like throughout the entire film what's great about her performance i think is that she's she's hiding all of that inside and we don't know what she's thinking even until the end of the film when she asks uh, Ernest, um, uh, like, what did you um, put in my medicine at the end of the film? Um, You can, I mean, you could guess, but you kind of, you kind of see it in her eyes. um, Just like the disdain or there's, there's a lot going on there, but yeah. 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 i thought i thought that was really great about her performance is just like all the mystery that she had even though she was so calm there was that great acting came from i think she was she was kind of bottling up inside
0: yeah i would i mean i would put it i'd probably put it it's second for me because of And it would definitely be first all year year round if it wasn't for Oppenheimer coming out this year. And, I mean, I've already praised Oppenheimer enough on the podcast I did about it. But, I mean, Oppenheimer's in my top 50 favorite films of all time. So, I don't – Killers of the Flower Moon, it it would have had to been like a complete – like, I don't know. It would have had to been – it wasn't realistically going to be my number one just because Oppenheimer just solidified there. But – uh definitely close number two for sure definitely close number two uh and i've seen a lot so i mean that's a lot of movies that it has to complete with because i mean uh, for this podcast i have to watch a whole shit ton of movies so like for it to be number two that's still really good considering all i've seen a lot of great films this year and uh like i, I was even talking about this the other day with somebody my top 10 is probably all 4.5 out of 5a movies like there's, so, there's been so many great films this year that a lot of people have missed. And, uh, yeah. But uh, what was the budget for the movie and what was the overall research? The budget for the movie? Uh, I think, Mag just said that. You said 200 mil, right? Yeah, there.
1: I think... I mean, you'll probably have to research it, but I saw a post that said uh, the budget for the film was... Somebody said, I wish that people spent 200 million on... Killers of the Flower Moon, films like that, as opposed to uh, like Marvel movies like uh, Love and Thunder, Thor: Love and Thunder, and uh, like Quantum things like that.
0: Yeah, all my homies hate Love and Thunder, except Mac. <laughs> I think Mac it's
1: I think it's a fun film. I don't I don't think it's at all a top tier Marvel movie, but it's it's a fun one.
0: Lawson thinks all of the MCU movies are trash, so he doesn't have an opinion, uh, <laughs> as he just shakes his head. <laughs> What was the overall reception of the movie? Did it ever see the audience? Uh, overall reception, it's been great from what I've seen. I think it's got like a 90-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, everybody's talking about it. I think it has a few criticisms from a – I've seen a few Native American, like, pages criticize it for how it portrayed because it said, well, it's a white director doing it. But I, I'd argue with that because he did include the Osage people and, like, he went to where that where the events happened and actually did it where the events happened he actually collaborated with the native americans to make it so i mean i feel like that argument's kind of i mean i get it i mean it's valid for them but for me i think it's invalid because he i mean he actually went with native americans and like made sure it was respectful and even i actually know a little behind the scenes of the script it was originally going to be from the fbi perspective the guy that plays the the main fbi guy who played by jesse plemons leo was supposed to play that character in the first draft of the script he was supposed to play that character and it was going to be about him infiltrating in this community and sh- uh, catching earnest or whatever and it was going to be that type of movie with like an fbi type thriller is how scorsese first approached it but then when he got into it, and Leo signed, actually even signed on for that role, but when they got into it, uh, they felt like it wasn't right, and they were telling it from like a white person's perspective, and they really wanted to go inside and like tell it from like what did the community think about it. And I mean, it is told through white people's perspectives, of course, with Ernest and uh, Robert De Niro's character, the uncle. I'm blanking on his name, but uh, in the movie, but uh, that. Lily Gladstone, uh, they incorporate her, where she is. I mean, she's right there and everything. So I feel like it was res- it was done respectfully for the uh, Native American community and the Osage people. I mean, he gave all of them jobs. Just to, I mean, and he worked. He went down there and did. I mean, Scorsese did all he could as a white person to tell this story and uh i think it's just a testament to him because only him can make a movie only him and maybe a few other directors can really handle this subject well and do it with respect and do it where it's not just some kind of thriller it's not some kind of like uh cheap uh portrayal of everything like you can tell the love and respect he has for the for the community even at the end i mean even the ending is like that so like yeah so it was received well mainly well i mean a lot of people i've even seen people that don't even like scorsese a lot say oh this is my favorite i've seen a lot of people say this is one of their favorite scorseses which has actually kind of surprised me but i've seen a lot and there's a few like youtubers i watch that do not like scorsese or like his long movies like the irishman when it came out which irishman is way too long but uh even they said you know it was really long but i don't think i couldn't find anything you could cut out because everything is so important and uh it's all worth it and you may not rewatch it and it may not be rewatchable, but it is it is. It still deserves its credit for what it what it's doing, the story it's telling, and the awareness it's bringing, and all that. And I mean, I didn't know about this. Did you guys know about the story before the movie? Mm-mm.
2: No, I knew nothing about it. I was reading. I, mean, I was reading on it though, and it was interesting that they actually changed the law after these murders that uh, non Osage people couldn't inherit the oil right because of these murders. So it's interesting to read about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I've, I've read a little bit on it too, and I I want to read the book. I heard the book. I heard the book is different though. I heard the book is told from a different perspective, and Ernest is a different type of character in the book apparently. Uh, but I don't know how the book could be any better. Yeah, William Hale is his name, De Niro's character. Uh, I don't i don't know how the book could be any better than the movie so yeah i uh just everything the cinematography was great uh i forgot who he used who the cinematographer was but uh they did great i think who edited this was it is the one he always works with i think Thelma shoemaker was it i don't know yeah, that's usually. I think she was she was the one that edited this, and she's done all of his movies since at least the '90s, I think. So maybe the '80s. I'm not for sure, but uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, edited well, paced well, in my opinion. Like I said, like you feel the like I felt the runtime, but it was earned, and like I didn't care. Like I was like, I could be in the theater for another few hours watching this if I want to, because the performances are just so well done the camera work. It, it just feels nice to be able to see a Scorsese movie again in theaters. And it just feels like, I know you guys are a little different cause you don't have to go watch every new movie for a podcast, but like after seeing so many blockbusters and stuff that are just not done well, it's nice to actually, I, I don't want to say be like Scorsese and say, you know, Marvel movies aren't real cinema cause everything is real cinema. It's an artistic vision, no matter what it is. But like, except if you're an Exorcist Believer, then you're not real cinema. But other than that, you're uh, you're pretty much real cinema. So like, but to be able to watch like a film film, like a Scorsese film in theaters was just one of the best theater experiences I had. Even if a guy was snoring half the time, just because I was sitting here watching a legendary director with a legendary collab, you know, Leo and Scorsese collabing together. That's freaking. that's always going to be awesome. Like, if it's, you're a movie fan, I mean Leo and Martin coming together is amazing. So it's one of those good, but it, it's actually really good for. Uh, people would say that. I disagree. I could rewatch this movie. I'm a sicko though, you know? I mean like I've I like a lot of people that get turned off by movies and say, "Oh, it's too dark or the humor's too dark and stuff." I I can rewatch over and over again. Like I rewatched some movies that like some people would be like, well, "How are you watching that once?" So like I guess it depends on who you are. If you're a sick, depraved little fucker like me, maybe you could rewatch it. I mean, I could. I'd rewatch it.
2: We left our asses off the whole
0: movie. Just yeah, pretty- me and Lawson here said... Uh, me and Lawson here were laughing. Like, we we're the only ones in the theater because there are some... This movie is act, act, actually... Like, it's hilarious, but it's respectful comedy. It has some respectful, dark comedy in this movie. There's one scene. The scene where he tries where he gets the guy to go shoot the guy and he has to make it look like a suicide. And then he brings him the gun and he's like, well, <laughs> <Wow>, my, <God. laughs> that we scene called, had us dying.
2: We called that. I said, he's, yeah. he's leave the gun. And you said, he's going to give it to him. We
0: Yeah. We both, we like double him, called that scene. because Wilson, yeah. He said, he was like, he, he's, he was like, he's going to do it the wrong way or whatever. And I was like, he's going to bring him the gun. And I was like, and then he brings Leo the gun in the pool house or whatever and (laughs) that had me die and laugh and and then uh they call each other dumbbells in the movie and there's like one scene where leo walks in and one of the guys is being interrogated and he's like oh well i'm just fucked now or something like that and it's just like there's like subtle comedy that scores only scorsese can really pull off with it not changing the tone and the pace of the film like the comedy works i mean mac did you find any hilarious moments
1: yeah, the one that sticks out to me was when I think Leo's character, Ernest, was still flirting with um, Lily Gladstone's character, um, Molly. Molly what was her name. Yeah. Um and they're riding through the town. She's uh they're both sitting in a carriage. I think he may be driving her, or maybe they're in a car. Oh yeah, he was driving her. I think he was like her taxi driver to I forget if it was for like a small gig or just for that day, but um, he's driving her. I don't know. It might be later in the movie. It happens at some point, but anyway, what happens is I think he's flirting with her a little too much, and he's he's really trying to to get to her because he he does what's great about this his character is he really loves her, um, despite his uh, plotting to you know take take her money and whatnot but um yeah but he's flirting with her and he he keeps egging her and she's she's very silent about it and then she says um something in native american um i'm not sure if it's lakota um tribe but she says something like that and then he's just like i think you just called and i was like did you call me like coyote or like wolf or like something like that or i think but anyway i think he was like referring to himself as like the top dog uh which was like the point of the humor or something like that and he it's the first time he gets a laugh out of her um it's kind of funny because he's just using her her uh he's finding um common interests, mutual interest with with her language um and kind of kind of showing respect and humor for it in that way but i just thought that was
2: pretty funny I yeah think, but i think that scene you're talking about where he said that must have been uh indian for handsome devil i think he ad-libbed that that was
1: it yeah it was indian for
2: yeah that was it yeah i it think i really I think article where it said uh, Scorsese and De Niro were annoyed by how much Leo was ad-libbing throughout the shooting.
0: I mean, that's Leo for you, man. He, he's a top-tier actor. I mean, say what you want about his personal life, but man's a great actor, you know? And, uh, yeah, that scene was really good. Uh, he just, like, like you said, Meg, he just comes off like you can tell he loves her, but at the same time, he's like, Kill, murdering their whole family it's like he loves her but he's helping murder her whole family at the same time and like i said i could not even imagine having that role like you have to play this character and you have to act like you really love her but also you're killing her, her entire family like you had to get like somebody like leo to pull that role off because like i'm not an actor at all but like i couldn't even imagine just like being having to pull that off and not it not come off in the just as ter- terrible, or like a, I don't know. Like I don't, I, I'm still stunned by how. And I, a few people are having issues with Leo. Some people are saying they may hate his portrayal, or they love it. They can't tell. I think, I think he, di- I think he did what he did. I think he did his job. I mean, I think he killed it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, I, th- I really think that Leo's character was he followed the story of the script, which was to take the money or attempt to anyway, which he, he doesn't succeed at the end, but, um, which is to take her money. But, um, he, he was just genuinely like listening to, to his uncle and to Molly's character. Whenever whenever they were asking for something or needing something, whether he was drunk and, and wasted or, or early in the relationship when he was, he was doing a little better, but he, um, he definitely, definitely, definitely played, played to the moments and you could tell just cause he ad libbed so much, but
0: yeah, I thought he, I mean, I thought he did well uh i'm trying to another thing we could talk about was what did you guys how did you guys feel about the ending because i know the reason why i ask this is because lawson he is not a big fan of the ending uh he thinks it kind of killed killed the the whatever of it but like i personally i feel like because it was so different because so many true story movies all they do is they pull up the Black screen with the white font that says this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, and for them to do like an old time radio show that was popular back when that those events happened, because like that thing was actually real. Like they they would do like FBI Hoover stories through a radio show, like that was actually real. So for them to incorporate that to tell the rest of the facts, I actually liked the creativity and uh, I liked that they went back and they used something from that time period to help tell those facts and the way. You just Martin gives Lily Gladstone basically her obituary. Basically, is just her character. Molly's obituary is just like it just shows that he had a lot of respect for it because he delivers it with uh, care, and then he delivers de- delivers it with like I don't know a sincerity to it. And uh, just seeing Martin Scorsese on screen is always great too. But like. I liked it, but like, what'd you think about it, Mac?
1: An interesting thing about the ending. I I don't, I totally forgot how it ended. I just remember like the, the last shot where they are kind of celebrating like the Native American, uh, they're, they're playing on the drums and things like that. But I totally forgot about the radio scene. But now that you bring that up, I think, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty, I'm like 80% positive that that scene with all the radio, the actors and everybody on that stage, they were all white people. And it's so interesting because even though the main character is Leo, it kind of feels like we're siding with Molly's character um, and kind of living it through her struggles in that way. And then you get the juxtaposition of um, the, um, of the these white people on this radio show which is how it may not actually be told um which i thought i didn't i didn't realize that till now but i think that's that's kind of smart storytelling and that may not be how how it should have been told but that's just to make its point
0: yeah because i mean like i said they, they they did that stuff back then like that was like a popular thing. There was actually a radio show that would give off like FBI stories like that. So like, mm-hmm. the more I researched it, the more I enjoyed the creativity of it. So let's hear your argument, Lawson. I want to hear your argument because I, I remember walking out of the theater and you were like, "Man, that ending sucks," or something. That did. Something. Why did you not like? Like, what did you want them to do? What What do you think they could have done differently then?
2: Well, to me, an ending should fit the tone of the film, and I thought that. kind guy- to me it was a little insulting to the characters to have these goofy sound effects and have this scene. I get what he's trying to do, but I didn't think it worked. I personally I would have maybe had Leo's character, he's about to he's about to go to prison and maybe he walks out into the field of the flower of the moon flowers and he's looking around one last time and then maybe you have a narration of this is what happened to so and so, this is what happened to so and so or words across the screen but i think it would have been a little more profound and a little more fitting for the characters than some goofy radio show personally i that to me knocked the film from being a masterpiece i would give it eight out of ten not a ten out of ten
0: i just i just completely disagree because if they would have done that with the narration and the the you said the text on the screen that would have been just like every other facts like every other true fact movie like every true fact movie does that where they have like the serious scene at the end where the actor's looking off into the distance and then it cuts to black and you get the narration or you get some kind of true facts with a white line going down and like at least scorsese was like hey because he of course he knows film he's like hey we have audiences have seen this a million different times let's try something different let's do something that was of the time and let's And it even has irony to it because that's how it would be told back then, too. That story would be told as entertainment. Like they told it as it like it was people were enjoying it for entertainment. And I think that was kind of adding to his point is like, hey, this isn't for entertainment. This is us telling you. And I think he was trying to, like Max said, juxtapose that with like the irony of this being like all these white people just like enjoying it. Like it's a story, scary story or something
1: that's kind of what leo's kind of just doing throughout the whole movies kind of and his uncle yeah they're kind of they're kind of they're it's kind of like parasite they're just they're taken away from Pe. it's kind of like they're taking away from the people the um the um the minorities of the community um and it's so interesting because usually a lot of them don't have money but then they find out they have all this this oil and this is the most important part of their lives and their their uh, future families lives as well um the fact that they're able to steal it and ruin their whole life and joke kind of it's not a joke but it it seems like a joke to the um the native american people um and then for them to make this this comedy radio talk show about it just makes it even more outlandish i, I feel like um and i think it does uh, it accomplishes the same thing as showing the facts in um a black um uh, credit roll at the end of the film. Um, it's just it's just um, visualized in um, a radio show.
0: So I mean, two against three. There change your opinion, Lawson. Opinion's <laughs> wrong, but yeah, I won't
1: yeah. say it's wrong. I I do think that would it would still have a great ending, and the, I still think the film would have had good reviews. But it was cool. It was cool to see that. And
2: I, I, I don't know. That's just something I'd, I'd never thought of until until today. I, I get that. But to me, it still didn't fit the tone. And it didn't work. And I mean, I, some cliches are cliches because they work so damn good.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can see that argument, too. I can see that. But I mean... I, I enjoyed it. I thought I thought it didn't throw it off. And also, I didn't know this. The, the last scene they shot with like the the Native Americans when they're doing their uh, traditional dance or whatever they're doing there. I don't I don't know what you call that, but uh, uh, that was actually shot like months later. Apparently, apparently, that was like added to the film really, really late. Is what I heard. Apparently, he shot that like he came back and shot that like months later and like. Cause they, I forgot he wanted something about, he wanted to wrap up the film a different way. So he asked the studio to give him some more money and he went out and shot that separately. Cause he wanted, he didn't want the film to go out on that. He wanted to add something else in respect to the Osage people, which again, I think is credits of Scorsese for trying to be as respectful as he could for these people. Because I mean, it is their story at the end of the day. It is the tragedy that happened to them. I mean, there's no, we didn't feel the effects of it, but they still are to this day. I mean, they still are. They had, you know, great-grandparents and stuff that died during that or great-great-grandparents. However, you know, I mean, it was the 20s and 30s, so it's been a long time, but still, I mean, it still affected them down the line. And for, uh, for it to be told, we're like, and like we never learned about it in like history class. Like all three of us, we all went to three different high schools and none of us learned that. So it's like, it's just kind of interesting that uh, – that was kind of just it shows you the holes in history and like what gets lost in history a lot of the times and i like that scorsese brought attention to it it was like this shouldn't be something that gets lost in history something terrible and it also it's also relevant to today because it's hard not to get political when talking about this movie i try not to get too political when i talk about movies like this movie warrants that because it is about stuff like that but like it's about people who own the structure of our society and government having too much power and being able to get away with terrible things because they, they control that. I mean, that's one of the things in the movie Scorsese even says in an interview I watched of them where he said that, you know, the Osage people, they're the ones with all the money. The white people don't have any money. The Osage people are the ones with all the money, but the uh, white people, they control the police, the doctors. Complete structure. The sheriff is white, like they, you know, they they control everything around the money. So they're like, it shows just how much you could be rich, but like if you don't have the control and the power, then I mean, you see what happens. I mean, and I mean that could be applied to today with structure of the government and them having too much control over certain people and things, and like, you know, it's like still it's relevant to this day. You don't have to be Native American. I mean, you don't have to be anything to relate to that because, I mean, we're still dealing with effects of too much governmental control and the structures of society being controlled by not the right kinds of people, and it just shows how powerful you can be though if you get control of a certain structure in America. Yeah, was what, crazy?
2: What's uh, you do bring up politics. It's De Niro's character is like a corrupt politician, but he's not a politician. Yeah. Uh, yeah he's a man who uh claims to love his community and i I think honestly his character is a complete narcissist i believe he probably actually believed that he did love his community he was just uh out for himself
0: yeah because i mean i mean you see him at like the funerals like shaking their hands and like hugging them and like comforting them when they're crying even though he's the one that raising reason why they're even at a funeral right now. And he's still comforting them. And it just, you know, it's, it's, it's just so well done. And like, I don't think if Scorsese, De Niro and DiCaprio weren't on this, I just think it would have been the less Like it just, those performances and Lily Gladstone is Molly too. Just those people. And even uh, the girl, forgot her sister's name. It starts with an a, but the girl that plays her sister was really good too. The drunk one. Anna. Anna the the she was a great actress too. She deserves a lot of credit too. She uh pulled that off and I'm like I like I like how matter of fact the brutality is told. Some people didn't like that. I've been reading some people didn't like that about how it was just it was just cut to a scene of somebody shooting somebody and like, well what the heck? But like I like that it's just like it was told just like any other story because i mean that's it went down just like i mean there wasn't a big dramatic thing that happened when these people were murdered they just got murdered like it didn't try to make a emotional i mean these are real people getting killed and it's showing it as like real people getting killed it's not trying to make entertainment out of it it's just showing it plain sight and i really like that too it's like showing the brutality plain sight like when they blow up the house and they go pick up the girl and you know her brains are literally falling out i mean like that's like i mean that's dark and brutal but like that's what would happen i mean it's not trying to be dramatic and they don't play it as dramatic or anything the guy just looks at her and he's like well she's dead and then you know walks away like nothing like you know it's just so well done y'all think it'll be up oh definitely no (laughs) yeah definitely it'll be up for Quite a few awards. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it'll get a Best Picture nomination. I'm just, just... It'll probably win, too, because of the story material. I think Oppenheimer should win Best Picture, honestly. But, like, I think this might beat it just because of the story material. And you got DiCaprio attached and De Niro and, you know. But, yeah, this will definitely... It'll be up there with Oppenheimer. So, would y'all recommend people to go see this movie? Or should they say they're right to the on So, somebody asked, should we recommend people to, to go see this movie or would they save their money till it comes out on streaming services seems to me it wasn't worth ten dollars for the tickets it's definitely worth it's worth two tickets to see it honestly like go support this movie in theaters that's another problem with cinema today is too many people wait for stuff to go on streaming and i mean if you don't have the money that's good but i mean they're going out and supporting the wrong movies like i don't want i'm, I'm about to diss a movie and i hate to diss movies but i don't want like, the new Five Nights at Freddy's, it's literally streaming on Peacock for free. You can watch it on Peacock for free. And its it had the third highest opening of any horror movie at the box office. What, the, I think that was last weekend it came out. And it had the third highest grossing opening weekend of any horror movie of all time at the box office. Even though it came out Peacock, same day. It was the same day, same type of thing with the stream. Kind of went what they did in the COVID times where they'd go straight to streaming in theaters and did that. And uh, the fact that that movie grossed that much money and Killers of the Flower Moon, it, it's not doing that well. I don't even—I don't know if it's even made its money back yet. The last time I checked it, what it hadn't even made its money back. So I don't know if it'll be a good success or not. But definitely, if you're going to pay to see any movie in theaters, go see this one. I know it's rough. It's long. But it's worth it. I think at least everybody should see this movie at least once. Like uh, at least once. You don't have to watch it again if it's uncomfortable. I mean, I get that, but like, it's something you need to be educated. Everybody should be educated on because like I said, it tells more than just the story about, it is about these native Americans, but it tells more than just that. It gives, it shows you what can happen when people, certain people control the structure around you, what can happen. Like, I mean it's terrifying in some ways
2: i think I'm sorry. i think people should go see this I, I like going to support like the films that i think are actually good film i wouldn't have been caught dead in the theater watching the new exorcist film because i wouldn't support the problem um
0: as he looks at me
2: shots fired uh yeah <laughs> if if in the studios, a message that people want to see real films. I think we'll get better films if you don't go see the remakes and the sequels and the bullshit. Then we'll get better films if you go support the original ideas.
1: Yeah, that's that's even more more reason to go see this film. I think, I think because the runtime's so long, people are scared to see it, but three and a half hours is so long and people have the ability to just put the movie on pause, go like use the bathroom, go walk their dog, whatever. Um, But like, this is like one of the best three and a half hour films I've seen. And if, if you go to the movies, you'll, you'll want to sit there for the full time and it's definitely worth the money. I didn't feel like it was wasted at all. I think, I think the movie theater is the best place to see it also, because it's just so beautifully done in just about every aspect. Um, and even the pacing is pretty darn good for the most part, I would say for this film. I think, I think the, the hardest part for me with the pacing, it, it had a lot of dark humor and comedic elements throughout the film, but it just gets all, it gets darker and darker towards the end mainly because that's where that's naturally where the story has to go because it it is a tragedy. Um but um leading up to that, yeah, definitely definitely worth seeing in, in cinemas. Um
0: yeah, like it's uh it is dark. I mean me and Lawson we were we're sick, so we laughed the whole time, but like there's dark there's dark there's little he- if you're like us, there is little, there's even at the end, there's a lot of, there's a little humorous things there, but like, you got to be kind of sick and twisted, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but like, we laughed.
2: <laughs> That's why we're friends. We're both screwed up.
0: Yeah. Uh. Okay, bet. So basically it's worth it. Yeah. It's definitely worth going to see in the cinema for sure. Where does this rank? Where does this, is it one of the best? Yeah, we said, yeah, definitely we've all have it at, at least number two if not one, so like yeah, definitely at least the second best movie of 2023. I think we all here are kind of like Oppenheimer, which it's Oppenheimer, so I get it. So, like, you know, I'm not going to argue Oppenheimer's not the best movie of the year because I think it is, but like this this movie would have been the best movie if it had just come out when Oppenheimer did. But, like, you know, 2 is still great. I mean, like I said, I've seen over 30 new movies at least. I don't know how many new movies I've seen this year. But uh, I see too many, actually. But, like, and a lot of them are terrible, honestly. But, like, (laughs) I – it's just – I this movie is just – it's worth it, man. And, like, that's another thing. There, you get like a breath of fresh air, I think, in this movie. I found something that a few, I'm, I'm actually stealing from a few movie reviewers here. I'm kind of quoting them, but like I felt this way too. But they kind of put it in words better. Is that when the FBI shows up, you kind of get a second wind because like the movie is really long. But then like once Jesse Plemons shows up as the FBI, then it kind of start. You start to get a second wind because like you're watching these, these terrible things happen. Nothing's happening. Nobody's getting saved they're just getting away with it. And then once the FBI shows up, you're like, okay, now here comes the investigative part. It's kind of a different movie, the last hour and a half. Once the FBI shows up, it turns into like, it kind of gives you a breath of fresh air because like there's a new element being added to the story, even though we're two, two and a half hours in where a new element's just being added. And then you're following that new element. And you're like, what's going to happen here? So I feel like it gives you a breath of fresh air. And that's why it also makes it one of the best three and a half, hour-long movies is because it gives you that breath of fresh air with the two, two-and-a-half-hour mark with the FBI storyline. And child Jesse Plemons, great actor, too. He doesn't get a lot of credit. He plays a lot of character actors, you know, like in Bre- Breaking Bad, Game Night, and stuff like that. But, like, he deserves more credit because, yeah, he just has a way about him. Like, he plays a character actor usually, but, like, he was great as an FBI agent in this.
1: Yeah, he's he's really good at playing really calm, um, analytical kind of um, not laid back, but like like analytical, like calm and like kind of heartwarming characters, I guess, in a way. Love and Death is also a really good show with Jesse Plemons um, with Elizabeth Olsen in it. He's really good in there as well. He kind of his character kind of reminds me a little of of this one killer's of the flower room. But yeah, he does he does a good job job in this movie.
2: This uh, movie had a lot of great characters. In it. I mean, wasn't John Lithgow in it? Yep, John. And, Smith-
0: uh, Brendan Smith-Gow.
2: Brendan Fraser and. Uh, actually i'm friends with barry corbin on facebook i actually told him i thought he did a good job in the film and he thanked me so it's had a lot of great actors yeah he
0: was he was good in it for his role and uh but you also get the old man from no country for old men
2: that's who i sent the message to
0: that's that's barry corbin yeah you get him i mean like just seeing him, if you see No Country for Old Men, I mean, that's just a cool little thing. Easter egg there. Uh, and then you get, like, Brendan Fraser just shows up. And uh, I like his character. My only – I have a little – I don't want to dis – Brendan Fraser, he, he seemed a little over the top, just a little bit. It's, it's, and I've, I've seen that a lot, actually. I've seen a lot of people comment on his performance and said, Brendan Fraser was kind of over the top. Of course, says he actually has come out and defended him and said that's how I directed him. He, I wanted him to be that way, which is, I mean, if he's directed that way, okay. But then that's just, like, if I had a little nitpick, I'm like, because when he comes in, because it cuts to him in the courtroom and then he just starts yelling, stands up and starts yelling. It's kind of like, because the movie's kind of somber the whole way through and then you got this guy yelling in a courtroom It kind of, flexes the tone a little bit there I agree what do you think Matt?
1: yeah I definitely remember his character now and was he I forget was he the which who was he was he the prosecutor or the, the uh, defendant
0: the defendant yeah he was Robert Downey Robert Downey Jr. Robert De Niro's uh attorney or whatever
1: yeah no he was all all foot on foot on the gas like when he he showed up on screen he was he's like hell driven on <laughs> on winning the case and like being uh being ruthless in the courtroom which is uh again showed showed the societal powers that that the wealthier people had in the community and being able to afford afford lawyers like that.
0: Yeah, and I love the scene where uh, Leo walks in to the room and it, all the white people were in the room when he's about to testify against them. If you guys remember that, it's like Brendan Frazier's there and like all the people that are for William Hale are there, like his sister or whatever are there. And like he walks in the room and it's like they're trying to push on him to not testify. And like, that's such a great scene because he walks in and and you kind of see it from his POV and the cameras just, and it's just all these people just like, and you feel the intimidation factor of like everybody sitting there just like ready to hop on Ernest. And I mean, it gives you more, I won't say you care for Ernest, but it gives you more like, damn, this guy was really being pushed to like do these things and not testify and, uh. I really love that scene and then there's the other scene with uh when he's sitting down with the one guy who's he's the husband to anna i think he is i think it was is he anna's husband or or, he marries one of her sister one of molly's sisters and then she dies and then he marries the other one like he's basically doing the same thing as leo but like because he's just like hops from sister to sister but there's that scene where him and Leo are sitting across from each other. It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It's like, you know, I don't like you very much, <laughs> and it's just like he's Leo is so plain with him, and like they're both just like back and forth, and I, I just I just love that scene because like they're just being like I just wish people would talk like that in real life. Like if you don't like somebody, just be like, you know what, I don't like you very much. <laughs> just like, just like instead of you know because people are. So many people, you know, are fake nowadays and the fake, you got to be nice to people and stuff. And I just love that confrontation between the two where they're, you know, they're sitting down, their wives are together, so they're supposed to be, like, calm and cool with each other. And they just, like, are subtle. They're not even yelling. They're not even screaming. They're just calmly saying, you know, I don't even like you that much. And then I forgot I forgot what else he says. And then the guy says something to Leo. And then Leo's like, "Uh, no, I don't think I will help you with that or something. I forgot. But, like, that was great. You look like you're about to talk, Lawson. That's
2: why I was. I was trying to remember that thing. I I remember.
0: Yeah. Well, while you're remembering. Yeah, Jesse Pullman and Brenda Frazier are severely underrated actors, especially what they did to Brendan. now that he has to try and dig his way out of the mud again. Industry is evil for that. Yeah, it's a tough industry. I mean. He's coming back though with the whale and now this and then. I want to say he has something else coming out sometime. I can't remember. He's he's getting a he's getting a renaissance. He's he, especially last year when the whale came out. He got a lot of love, and uh, he deserves it. The whale's not the, the whale's not that great of a movie. I don't think, but like his performance was good and like. I uh, I'm glad Brendan Fraser's coming back because I used to love him in the Mummy as a kid. Encino Man, too. Uh, Blast from the Past, that's an underrated Brendan Fraser movie, if you've ever seen that. Uh,
2: Mummy's top ten for me. Top ten? And I love that film.
0: Wow. Lawson, the film guy, putting The Mummy, a big blockbuster 90s action film, in your top ten. That's crazy.
2: Just a fun movie. If you see it, you have to just stop what you're doing and watch it.
0: Yeah, every time it was on TV I watched it. Were you a fan of the Mummy, Mac?
2: Was that with
1: Rachel Weiss? Yeah. Yeah, I remember it. Yep. Um not just <laughs> a Rachel Weiss, but uh I, I, uh yeah, I just remembered the, the mummy. And, um yeah. yeah.
0: The mummy and the mummy returns are both fun.
1: They are good movies.
0: Yeah, I need to rewatch those actually. Uh I'm trying to think where what else because I, I want to cover this movie as well because I've had a lot of thoughts on it. I've been wanting to talk about it. I wish Teontae could could have joined us today because he uh he said he wanted to talk about it. Uh I mean we went over the camera work, we went over the actors, the scenes we liked. I mean, were there any other scenes or anything that you guys like think about or like wanted to note? I, love,
2: I love the scene where Yard is on fire. and That's between Leo sitting in bed and his wife sick. And shows the silhouettes of the people trying to put out the fire. I thought that was a really well done scene. That scene stuck out for me.
0: <laughs> what about and you, Matt?
2: That's why she's sick too, right?
1: Yeah. The fires, yeah. And those are those are the Native American people trying to put out fires that other people set to their their land too, right?
0: Uh, I think so. I can't Nero. remember.
2: The Niro's yard that's on fire.
0: Oh, it's yeah. De Niro's yard.
2: Because it's, it's a shot of him that on a long angle lens. Uh, oh like yeah. Frame. Mm. Yeah.
0: I love when he. I love when he comes up with the goggles in that car. It's yeah. like I'm. And he's like, I'm going to something. And he's like, but like he's saying the most intimidating things. But he's like, yeah, you can't take him seriously because he's wearing those goggles. I remember Lawson when we watched the movie. He was like, What is he wearing? <laughs>
2: I remember when uh, they blew up the house and he, uh, they pull up back up into town and he, they just see the house this is completely missing. He said, Well, he used too much dynamite.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Any other scenes, Mac, that you can think of?
1: Really? Just, like, the last... Not the last scene, but, like, the scene where they just sit down, um, Ernest and Molly, and it's after the court case, and then her... I believe... Clemens. Jesse Clemens' character, the... um the fbi investigator he's he's just standing in the room but he he basically lies about what he put in the, the medicine and she very well knows that it wasn't it wasn't insulin that was <laughs> that was uh in in, in what he was uh, given to her because she was Cause he was the only he was the only person who could have put that in, um, who had been helping her and giving her, giving her stuff while she was sick.
0: Yeah, but I love that scene.
1: Just to like see the the devastation in both of their eyes after he says that, and then she just you you know what she's thinking, like even though her face doesn't change because she just
2: keeps staring
1: at him and then he. And then she leaves. I thought that was a really well done scene.
2: I can't remember. Remember, Jack, I was telling you. Imagine the trust. Woman. She had kids with this man. I don't know how long they were together—ten years or something—and he was trying to kill her family the whole time. Can you imagine the trust that was, this woman had with the next husband. Yeah. Like. Then she got remarried.
0: Yeah, it says she got remarried in her obituary. So, like, yeah, the trust issues probably were rough with her. But, like, yeah, I love that scene. I wish, I honestly wish it could have ended on that scene. But, like, you can't do that because there's too much information left open. They had to do something else. And that's why, again, I like the radio show because it's something different, something new, creative. But, uh. That end scene, that's probably my favorite scene, is that confrontation between Leo and uh, Molly's character, Ernest and Molly, their confrontation there when she's like, was that really insulin? And then she, he doesn't even have to say anything. They just kind of look at each other and just like the acting there with their eyes. Is just And then she just walks out. That's probably overall the best acted scene easily for me. And uh, I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was... Uh, a great way to kind of top off the movie and then we get the radio show and then we get the uh, tribal dance. That was just really good. And like, I'm surprised people stayed through the credits because like in our theater, they left or they were snoring. That's crazy. (laughs) Which is Uh, sad, but like.
1: Mostly everybody stayed in my theater just to watch the credits and just just, Wait till the end. Yeah, it was it was really cool.
0: You have more respectful people where you were at, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Southeast Missouri people, gosh, terrible people. Can't even sit through the credits of a great movie. They gotta snore. You gotta sleep through it. Some some dude brought his two little kids in there. I was like, you know what? You're a great father. Like I was just thinking the whole time. I was like, that is one great dad. You, you, you like he brought his kids to Martin. Like they got up probably like four or five times to go to the bathroom, but like the, just a just a king. I oh, want shout out to that dad who brought his kids to see Killers of the Flower Moon*. You are you are raising your kids right, sir, whoever you are, because like shout out to him. Like he, he brought his two. He said, "You know what? We're gonna watch a three and a half hour Martin Scorsese movie. And it's gonna be brutal, and like you're gonna enjoy it." And like they seem to they they seem to like it. I mean.
1: Yeah. It's uh it's heavy for however old they were probably but
0: Yeah, one was one looked like twelve, the other probably in high school, but still like I feel like I mean, I feel like that's a good age. I mean like
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely when you're starting to pick up on things. Like what a
0: what a king though. Know? I was just like what a good I just called him a king. I was like, What a good dad like taking your kids to see a Martin Scorsese movie. We saw a late too. We saw like a we saw the 930 because I picked an uh, art the theater we go to down here in uh, Southeast Missouri is Marcus theaters and uh, you know, they have the super screen D L X. They showed a uh, Mac knows because he's been there, but like they showed the killers of the flower moon uh, in that but it was the only showing they had in that the rest were on all the little theaters. So, like, we picked the 930 just because we wanted to see it on a bigger screen with better sound. Like, I, I picked the best the biggest screen and the best sound I could find for this movie around me to watch this movie. Like, I was so pumped for this movie. I was like, I'm not watching it in a regular theater. I'm going to pick the super screen DLX because cool. I want the biggest screen, the best sound for Scorsese. I wish we could have seen it in IMAX. That would have been awesome. I don't even know they've showed it. I don't think they even showed it in IMAX. But like, if Probably. they did, be
2: cool. There's something about the theater experience—the best way. to see it, Like we went and saw Halloween the week after. Don't play so good on the big.
0: Yeah. Like seeing Halloween for the first time was just on the big screen. I mean, I've seen it countless times before. Both of us have, but like, yeah, something about a theater experience. Go to the theater, people, more. I mean. You can't beat it. You're in a dark room. It's nothing but you and the movie. You can't look at your phone, or you're not supposed to. A lot of people do, sadly. But like, go to the theater. Turn your phone off. Your Snapchat can wait. Your hoes can wait. Your men can wait. Whatever you got on your phone, you know I don't. I don't judge you. Your Tinder swipes can wait. Whatever you do, just put your phone in your pocket and watch a film. And just like try it, just try it for once because I'm telling you, you will actually get a better experience. Because, like, I will always put my phone down when I watch a movie, I always put my phone up because, like, I want to fully experience a movie. And I, I, it's hard nowadays with the overstimulated society. And I get it, you know, especially people younger than us, at least like our age, you know, we grew up before like smartphones were huge. So, like, we kind of know what it's like to not have a smartphone, so we can kind of. Deal with that, better because some kids, I mean, we're raised with smartphones, so, like that's all they know. But, like, if you can, like, try to just like turn off your phone and watch, go to the theater and watch a Martin Scorsese movie, Christopher Nolan movie, Denis Villeneuve, uh, Michael Mann. Michael Mann's coming out in December with a film. You know, watch these great filmmakers, and give them all your attention, and that's what I think. I'm guilty of falling asleep during movies. When I go, when I went to go see the Eternals, but after that, I think I. I <laughs> uh, Eternals is fine. It's the MCU move. They get enough money. They're okay. MCU's okay. If you fall asleep during MCU, I'm not gonna be mad at you. Oh, uh, Jacob would have been mad at you. I used to be a diehard MCU fan, but like I've fallen off hard from the MCU. So like. That's okay. Just don't fall asleep during Scorsese. That's all I ask. If I fall asleep during Scorsese, I will haunt your nightmares. I will be in there like Freddy Krueger. And, yeah. Actually, no. I just compared myself to Freddy Krueger, who's a trial, child predator. That was not a good idea, but like, you know what? We're live. We're rolling with it.
2: Now everybody knows.
0: Damn it. But like, besides the child predator part, I will do the other part of Freddy Krueger where he goes in your dreams and murder you. But like, yeah, Scorsese, man. Scorsese, man. (laughs) What about Scorsese? What a great guy. What
2: else? Scorsese. A lot of filmmakers, directors aren't that good when they're told. I mean, De Palma lost his touch. John Carpenter lost his touch. A lot of guys that I love and Really influenced by when they get old, they don't make. It. Scorsese has been an exception time, time again to that.
0: Yeah. Like uh, Scorsese has probably the best vitality of any director. Just like he's he's gone for like uh, what since the '60s, '70s. I mean, he wasn't until big until Taxi Driver, really. But like. So set mid-70s is when he really hit it. And then uh, since the mid-70s, I mean, he's the only one that's come out of there besides Spielberg that's still relevant. And he has the vitality. I mean, Spielberg is – I think he's fallen off. But, like, some people disagree with that. But, like, uh, Scorsese, I think, is the most consistent director we've had that's spanned since the 70s, honestly. Christopher Nolan could be next, though. I see Christopher Nolan staying that way. But yeah, nice cup. You know what? I had to cover it. You know, we already forgot about what I said. Okay? pretty <laughs> gone. But yeah, I mean, that's Killers of the Flower Moon. I mean, we we covered it. We talked about everything: the cinematography, the way it looks. I mean, the acting. I mean, I. I mean, what, what, what's your grade for this movie? You guys, whatever you give. You guys have different scorings, probably. So just whatever you grade movies, what are your grades? Eight out of ten.
1: Eight out of ten? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I, uh, give me some time. I'll let you go first.
0: <laughs> uh I don't know. Maybe a six. No, I'm just kidding. A plus. Ten out of ten for me. A plus. Masterpiece. Set it. Call it. Nothing wrong I don't there's nothing in this movie I would change. Nothing wrong with it. Masterpiece. Ten out of ten for me. Second best movie of the year. Only to Oppenheimer.
1: Probably rock an A minus A. Probably like a nine. Nine to nine point five probably.
0: Okay. So I, I rated it the highest. Look at me. I'm not as I'm not I'm not you know what, I'm nicer on movies than some people. The only time I was ever mean to a movie on this podcast was Exorcist Believer. And people still talk about that podcast to this day. And you know what? I'm glad you guys do, because that movie is dog shit. And I'll say it again. Exorcist guess- Believer. I warned you. He did. Lost some me. He said, don't even go see that piece of shit. And I was like, I have to. It's part of my thing, man. Have you seen Exorcist Believer, Meg?
1: I've not. I'm, I haven't even seen the first Exorcist.
0: You're a crazy man. You're an insane man. It's already past spooky season now, but you can still watch it. It's good any time of the year.
1: I don't know if I want to watch it.
0: <laughs> are you scared of it?
1: I'd rather... I'm not, i i'm not scared of it but i'd rather not be scared if that makes sense
0: it's not as scary as he, people say it is it's it's a it's a good it's a good film about a guy rediscovering his faith at the end of it like there is the little the sick little girl and there is some funny i think it's funny some people might think it's messed up scenes but like at the end of the day it's about a priest regaining his faith and it's like It's a really good movie. You should definitely check it out. But yeah, Exorcist believer, you never have to watch. Just take that off your list. I mean, you could, if if you want to be scared. I mean, you don't even have to watch it because it's not gonna scare you. It may scare you with how bad it is because it is that bad. But like, I feel like Blumhouse is gonna start like watching my podcast and like Mark. Every time this once this goes up on YouTube, I bet Blumhouse is gonna like try to like get some kind of claim on it or something for me talking shit about their movie so much. But, like, come on, Blumhouse. You know, I'd like you to hire me to make a movie one day because you hire indie directors, but, like, you know what? At the end of the day, I wouldn't care. I got A24. If you can... Can't do it. Can I do it? Yeah, you, you can't really see it. I was trying to show you guys my nipple there, but... (sighs) A twenty four hire me. Now this is getting sad. Now I'm the only one talking. <laughs> I'm over here. I'm over here begging for A twenty four to hire me. This has gotten sad.
2: Still judging you for watching The Exorcist Believer. This the spirit of Billy Friedkin is looking down on you with shame right now.
0: You know what he probably is, and you know what he should. He should be disappointed in me. I'm disappointed in myself. Every day I wake up in the morning and I think I watched Exorcist Believer. I don't deserve to have a good life, but yeah. God, people are going to really think I'm just, like, hating this movie. But, like, I do hate it. But this is... We're talking about good movies today. That movie's gone. We're talking about good movies. It doesn't need to be any more relevant. Hire him now, A24. Yes, please hire me. Like, hire all three of us. Mac can act, too. Me and Lawson, we're just directors. Mac actually has acting on his... Like, he's a dual-talented person. So, like, hire Hire all three of us. You see Jacob? You see his name? Lawson Thresher? Lawson Filmworks? Like, hire us. I think we could we could do a good movie. Good slasher. Hey, Deontay is finally free. Deontay, before we get off of Killers of the Flower Moon, is there something you want to say? Add in here, boy? Let's see if he adds anything, because I know he wanted to say something about this film cuz he just watched it and he 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 said it might be his favorite Scorsese too which is crazy to me cuz you also have like raging bull but like i get it
2: hmm.
0: or waiting on huh well,
1: i don't think it's a wrong answer to have killers of the flower moon as your favorite scorsese May not That's be true. right, but it's not wrong.
0: Robert De Niro bodied his role. Yes, he did. He killed that. We we talked about it. He killed that shit. So subtle, but so intense. Just like such a good role by him. And, uh,
2: you know, what's interesting is in real life, around the time the murders happened, I think that dude was in his 50s. And, you know, De Niro's 80. I think that guy only lived to be 87. So. Some people were saying uh, Leo should have played his character, but that wouldn't have worked.
0: No. Leo's not that old yet. I don't think he could pull off point a 50-something year old. Maybe he'll make it up, but I mean, even then, I don't know. I think
1: too old to play this role. Apparently, people were saying that he was, uh, he was supposed to be like 20 years younger than he actually is.
0: 20 years younger? Dang.
2: Yeah. 40. I
0: think Leo's in his 40s, for sure, I think. Yeah. He's gotta be in his 40s. I think they're
1: saying the actual guy in real life is in his 20s when this happened, maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can see that. But, like, I don't think you could find the actor that's 20-something years old that could have done what Leo did with this role. I don't think... I think you had to have somebody that had the experience and the chops of Leo to be able to pull that off. And, I don't... I, I mean, I don't... I bet there is some twenty something year old that could probably do it, but they're probably hard to find. I can't think of any like famous ones right now that could pull it off better than Leo did. Or just as good.
2: I wonder if the real guy was that much of a dumbass, or if they just did that for the movie.
0: Uh he probably was that much of a dumbass. It takes it was tough tough call to make, but it came down to this and good films. Goodfellas is overrated. I said that, and I've said it, and I will say it again. That's my hottest take. is Lawson agrees with me, actually, so it's not that too hot a take. I think Goodfellas is. It's not even top five Scorsese for me. I put After Hours over Goodfellas. I put, I put Raging Bull. I put King of Comedy. I put Taxi Driver. I put what else do I put? Killers of the Flower Moon. I put The Aviator. I put so many over Goodfellas, and I just. I'm sorry. I think Goodfellas is one of the most overrated movies of all time, and I will always say that. I think Max probably a Goodfellas fan, aren't you? Are you a Goodfellas guy? Have you seen Goodfellas? I've not. Well, okay. No comment. Raging Bull over Goodfellas, actually. You know what? Raging Bull is worth it. Raging Bull is actually. I love Raging Bull. Uh-oh. Leo's transformation into someone from These South I mean, you're not wrong. He does remind I mean, there's a lot of people like Leo's character around. I mean, hopefully they're not killing their wife's whole family. But like, yeah, a lot of people are. <laughs> he does. I mean, like he got the accent down and everything. He's like, I sure do like women. <laughs> and, and like he goes and he's like. I, he's like, I like him yellow, I like him brown, I like him red, I like him blue. He said, I like any kind of woman. And I'm just like, oh my god. I know people that talk like that, though, so, like, I mean, I kind of talk like that. For being honest, I kind of have that accent. So That like, was a
1: good Leo impression. I thought it was pretty pretty close to how he, his dialogue was in the film.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, it's not, it's not too far off. It's not hard for me to go southern, so, like, I have pretty southern accent already, so that helps, but, like, thank you. I appreciate that. I do have some acting, by the way, A24, if you're watching this. I mean, I'm not as good as Mac. He has professional training. I just have Lawson Filmworks training, and I didn't even say a word. I just have a phantom suit on, and I'm just standing there, and then I'm on my knees a lot, too, but, like, not like that, but, like, you know, I'm on my knees because I was too tall, and we had to get the right shot, but, like, what else was there? I played a dead body. I was killed by a serial killer in a uh, Nick's film, Nick Lukachik's uh, film. If uh, you guys ever watched that, I forgot. Jack Goes to Hell, I think, is the name of that short film. I am, a, I am dead body number dead guy or something. I forgot my title, but yeah. I get killed by eating a poisoned zebra cake, and I just lay there dead while the serial killer laughs at me. But, like... I'm good at playing dead people, apparently. I, I, every time I'm cast, and cast as a dead person. I was a phantom and then I was a dead murder victim. So like, if you need a dead person, I'm really good at that. I mean, I'm pale enough.
2: I have one acting credit. I'm in a film. It's on Tubi that I'd rather not discuss here because it's a piece of shit.
0: Oh, well, dang. Well, at least you're on Tubi. I'm not even on Tubi. I mean, that's something. At least you're on Tubi, man. I guess. Long time no see, Mac.
2: Hey Deontay. <laughs>
1: Long time no see indeed. Hope you're doing
0: well. Mac, you know Deontay? I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, we had we had classes together.
0: Heck yeah.
1: Good vibes only.
0: That's my boy. He's the head of our network here. That's my boy. Uh anything else you want to say about it Deontay in the comments before we go here we did pretty good at this we only did an hour and 23 minutes this is our shortest podcast yet look at me go I'm good at timing shit for once I mean I usually go over and go like three hours but like look at me
1: I feel like we talked about a lot
0: yeah I mean we, we talked about the whole movie everything we talked we gave good about hey we we all three gave good behind the scenes stuff that like other people didn't know so like
1: yeah and there's a lot like there's so many scenes we could have talked about that we just like missed. but like we we did cover a lot
0: yeah there's there's like a, this movie we could talk about for hours there's tons but like we covered what we could 10 out of 10 same there same score as me buddy yes sir and it's your and it's Right there with Goodfellas and Raging Bull. I see, I see. Uh Raging Bull, I can see Goodfellas should be at the bottom, but like Oh. The hottest take of hottest takes of hottest take take. This may be hotter than any of Nick's takes. Are-
1: I could see it.
2: I could see it. Whew. Oppenheimer's pretty good though. I can't make that distinct, you know. It's like I said, apples and oranges. I mean, what's a better film? Chinatown kind of or Vertigo? No idea. They're both wonderful.
0: Vertigo. Easily. What are you talking about?
2: I've always seen Vertigo. Well, that's just like your opinion, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> There's a beverage here.
2: No, but I don't, I don't like to compare films. It's Film to me is either good or bad. It's hard to compare them to each other.
0: Uh, Deontay, you're wrong with that take. I'm I don't care what these guys say. Oppenheimer is easily the best, but okay, better than this, but okay. Oppenheimer's in my top 50, though, so I got to do that. It's rare for a movie to get in my top 50 when it just came out. Like a lot of the movies that are in my top 50 are old movies. So the fact that a 2023 movie got in my top 50, that's a good ass That's a good movie. Masterpiece, I would say. But any other hot takes, Deontay? Here. Also, I guess why he's if he's if he's typing while he's typing, I don't know for sure. Oh, uh, uh, oh. I mean that helps. That adds. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not a pervert, everybody. Not. It adds though. She does. She's great role. Good actress. She's a good actress. What can I say? No, it's. But yeah, Oppenheimer man. What a what a movie. I could talk about Oppenheimer again, but like, yeah. Why I'm waiting on him to say anything else? The creator. Because we advertised it, so I feel like some if somebody's gonna watch this and be like, I thought you guys were gonna talk about the creator. I'll talk about the creator for a quick second. Well, you guys are here because I I think you guys should check it out. Uh, I think both of you like sci-fi, right? Not really. I've seen yeah, your letterbox. You like some sci-fi?
2: Maybe um, some. The the thing is. Sci-fi.
0: What about you? I know Mac likes sci-fi. I know so, you like. Sci-fi.
2: Show me the right movie. Yeah. The I, creator. I I'll,
1: I'll definitely go see one.
0: The Creator it stars John David Washington, Denzel Washington's son. If you guys don't know that, but like he's an up, he's an tenant if you're a Christopher Nolan fan. Uh He's a great actor, underrated actor. He, he he's just now kind of blowing up though. He used to be a football player and then, and then he switched to acting, but uh he's just he's getting there with his dad. But like uh it's Gareth Edwards the guy that made uh directed Rogue One, which Rogue One isn't the best Star Wars movie, and I don't even want to get on Star Wars because people are crazy over Star Wars, and I don't want to get attacked for saying anything Star Wars thoughts. But, like, if you don't like that movie, it's not his fault because Disney had a lot of interference with that movie. Like, he had a lot of production interference. Like, his original vision is not what the actual movie turned out to be. And, like, actually, if you go watch the trailer for Rogue One, it, like, a lot of scenes are cut out in the actual movie. So like I don't blame him for that, and he directed Godzilla before that. The 2014 one with Aaron Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Cranston, and Elizabeth Olsen that one. But like, uh, it's uh, original sci-fi film. He just he came up with it originally. He came up with the concept, wrote it. Uh, it bombed at the box office. It did terrible. Uh, I don't even know if it's in. The, it went out of theaters really quickly. It came out late September. So. It came out the weekend. Me and uh, Mac were actually in Chicago, so it's been a while. But uh, it's out of the. It may be still in some theaters, but like theaters around here, it's it's gone. But like, check it out on streaming at least. uh, Pay for it on stream. Buy it if you can. Give it support. It is a great original sci fi. Okay, it's really good. It's a really good original sci fi film. It's a little too influenced, it takes a little too much influence from uh, Blade Runner and things like that. But, and it tries to force emotion that's not there, and it's not quite. Like he should have went over the script one more time, I think. But like the score is great. Hans Zimmer does a score. Uh, great visual. I mean, this movie was eighty million dollars. It looks better than any MCU movie that's come out in the last recent years. Like last probably five years, any MCU movie, and it's it perfectly shows. That the MCU should not have the CGI problem they have because, like, they're spending $200 million on movies and they don't look as good as an $80 million movie that a director did by himself that he came up with it by himself. Like, that's insane to me that this movie looks miles better than any MCU movie in the last five years. So, for that, for the visuals alone, give it support because it deserves it. It is beautiful, it is hot. Hey, it could be a hot take. It could be a hot take. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of MCU people out there. I might get murdered. That might be my life, my last podcast. But uh, it's true. It looks better than any. No way home it looks better than Endgame. I'll say it. it looks better than any. All of those in the last five years. The creator, the creator, go check it out. I don't want to give too much away. I think going into it blind is the best way to go into it. Just know, amazing visuals, original story, it made for $80 million, didn't make, I think it barely made its budget back. If it, I may have bombed, actually. I know it for sure didn't make a ton of money. Uh, go check it out. Support original filmmakers, because like he, you could tell he wanted to make this, and like he's been trying to get it off the ground for, since 2017, he said. So like, this is a passion project for him, and he got it out there, and like John David Washington so good in it. Hans Zimmer could have done the score better, which is crazy because it's Hans Zimmer, but it kind of feels like he phoned it in. But like, I feel like the score could have been better. The visuals, everything technical besides the score is perfect. It's just the story that's lacking. The story's a little story's a little rough. But like, he should have went over the script one more time. But like, overall, really good movie. Definitely worth at least one watch. Worth worth your money. Worth a theater ticket, buy easily. It's a beautiful-looking film. Go check out The Creator if you haven't. And that's all I have to say about The Creator because you guys haven't watched it yet. But you will, right? Yes. Mac will. I'll make Mac watch it, and I'll make Lawson watch it, too. I'll make both of you watch it. I know where both of you live, but... uh, Lawson's like, screw that genre. I can't even talk today, but like, yeah.
2: I like old films, man. The new films, I don't know, they don't cut it for me.
0: Lawson's well, the old guy. He likes, you know, Jimmy Stewart, 1950s, Alfred Hitchcock yeah, yeah. type you stuff.
2: You can see the posters behind me.
0: I mean, you can see, yeah, look at the posters behind him. He's a good, bad, the ugly Chinatown, Vertigo and All the Godfather over there.
2: Yeah, those are my top four favorite movies.
0: I mean, behind him. I mean, look what's behind me: Blade Runner twenty forty nine poster. So, like, of course, I like sci fi. I'd kind of give that away, but like, yeah, go watch, and I'll go watch the creator give that movie its props because it deserves it. I love that we got an original sci fi movie this year, and it's going so under the radar. Nobody's talking about it. it. Makes me sad, man. We're getting original sci fi films, and nobody's talking about it. Come on, but like. Yeah, and I mean, that was Killers of the Flower Moon. I think we covered everything we could. We talked about Scorsese, how great he is, how he is the most vibe. I mean, he's the best director of the last 50 years. His term is longevity and consistency. I mean, we got Deontay's take in here, which is great, even though he's wrong with the Oppenheimer being worse. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we covered everything. He has a Freddie Mercury poster. Like the movie? never seen the movie is there a movie yeah bohemian rhapsody right never seen that movie well deontay you're just too cool for me but anyway yeah i mean that's that's it guys i mean thank you for joining i mean this is my shortest stream uh no actually i had a shorter one but like this is the second shortest stream which is good because i was thinking Scorsese, *Killers of the Flower Moon*. There's a lot to dive in with the political stuff and like the oh, it's so deep in things, man. We could talk about this movie for hours, but really, I think you guys should just watch it yourself. Thank you. I know. Uh, I think you guys should just watch it yourself and make your own opinions about it. Uh, uh, if you don't think it's at least great, you're you're an idiot and don't watch film, I guess. But like. I think you should at least, yeah, go watch this. Go watch the creator as well. You know, the next stream I will be doing. What is this? November, November seventh. May, it may be an end of year stream. It may be an end of year stream. It may, episode eight, maybe end of year, where I rank every movie I've seen in twenty twenty three. I'm thinking about it. I might go crazy trying to do that because I've seen a lot of twenty twenty three movies. And like going through and talk I thought of going through and that talking about each movie. Oh, God. But like, I may do an extravaganza end of year stream for my next stream in December because I try to keep these at a month apart because I don't think there's any all oh, fudge. Napoleon's coming out. Forgot about Napoleon. That's coming out. Ridley Scott and then Michael Mann's Ferrari is coming out in December. So there will be a few movies to talk about, actually. There might, okay. So you're either going to get, you're going to get one podcast for sure before the end of the year where i talk about all my favorite movies of 2023 and then and i might go through and rank every movie if i have the time and then you may get another one on napoleon and ferrari because those are ridley scott michael Mann. michael mann's one of my favorite directors so like i gotta talk about ferrari i'm so excited for that uh any movies you guys are excited for for the rest of the year before we sign off
1: I have not read the book, but I'm kind of kind of excited to see the Hungry Games movie. It comes out next week.
0: Oh, that does come out next week. I forgot. I'm going to – I'll, I'll check that out too. I've seen all the other ones. I got to check out. And I like uh, I'm blanking on her name. Rachel Ziegler. I like her. so.
1: Rachel Ziegler, like
0: yeah. She's good. I know Lawson will not be watching that because he doesn't watch any. He might see – I feel like you'd watch Napoleon with me. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe – Ferrari, Michael Mann, but that's about it for you.
2: Napoleon looks good, but the color grading sucks. That's my thing about that. But it looks interesting.
0: I mean it's Joaquin Phoenix, Ridley Scott directing. It's gotta be it's gotta be good, man. Deontay says Napoleon Wonka, Thanksgiving. I, wonka.
1: Well, I wonka. forgot
0: about Timothy Chalamet and Willie Wonka. I know a lot of girls are excited for that one, but like will I be? Probably Honestly, I don't know if I want to see Wonka. I'm, I'm going to watch it. I love the Oompa Loompas. I have a weird Oompa Loompa thing, guys. I don't want to... I'm, I'm going to out myself right here on the podcast. I like Oompa Loompas in a little too much. That's all I'm going to say. I love me some Oompa Loompas. I think they're funny and hilarious. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited for the Oompa Loompa and Wonka. I don't care about Timothy Chalamet. And honestly, if I'm being honest with you guys, I think that movie looks mid as hell. The trailer is the trailer's weak, and Timothy Chalamet looks like he's giving not that good of a performance. So, and I like t- Timothy Chalamet. I love him in Dune. I love him in late. I mean, he's good in Lady Bird. He's good in other things. But I just don't. Did we need a Wonka? Do we need to see early? That's another thing. What Lawson was saying about like remakes and sequels. Do we need a Wonka? I don't think we needed a Wonka. I don't think it's necessary. But hey, it could be great. Who knows? I'm not gonna diss it until I see it. But like yeah. and Thanksgiving, that's that looks like a good horror film. Eli Roth. Looks like that could be a good slasher. I mean it could be a fetish. Could be. I don't know. I do have a Scorsese fetish. I love everything Scorsese does. Nolan fetish too. I love Nolan. Nolan's my dad. Not really, but like I love Nolan.
2: Uh Mac, what's your top five favorite director? Directors? Ooh. Um,
0: good, good one.
1: I love me some Damien Chazelle. He's on there. This is in no particular order. Um, I love him. I love some Spielberg. Um, ooh, you see, I've not watched enough Scorsese. I've maybe watched one other film, Shutter Island. I've seen that. I can't think of any others. So I will not put Scorsese on there without seeing more films. Um, man. Oh, Christopher Nolan, I'll throw him on there. Um, oh, there's a lot. I'll get back to you on it.
0: i will get back to you. If
1: both of us show up on here again, I'll have a list for you. All right. A real list.
0: Both of you will show up on here. I will tie you guys and make make sure you show up again. But like, yeah. But yeah, I love how you said I'll throw no one on there, like, like boy, you better be in your top five. Come on, how can you not have no one in your top five? I don't think Lawson, do you have no one in your top five?
2: Mine is uh, Sergio Leone, Steven Spielberg, Alfred Hitchcock, David Lean, and Roman Polanski.
0: I mean, the guy, the old, the old movie lover he loves the old movies he loves them old movies you know what i mean but like no i'm just kidding roman Polanski's he's good i'll give you that i'll give all those are valid i think no one's better than all of them but that's me uh that's a hot take too by the way <laughs> no one better than hitchcock that's crazy talk no one better than spielberg i said it and i meant it but yeah no one's the best director ever of all time for me that's just an old head boy. Somebody said, "Can't wait for no." Um, yeah, I mean Wonka. I, I think Max seems to be excited for Wonka. He reacted very positively. I, I know I awesome.
1: never, I never did that. I'm skeptical, but I'll see it.
0: You're skeptical? Okay. I just don't know about Wonka, man. Like, did we need it? No, we did not need Wonka. Napoleon, yeah, I'm excited for it. I love history, historical epics, anything like that. So, like. Give me historical epic all day i'll watch that shit. i'll watch it three give me a three hour long epic historical film any day ridley scott too i mean come on he made gladiator guys gladiator like yeah so i mean we got some movies coming up a few but those will be my end of your podcast you can look forward to for sure one maybe two Mac and Lawson will be joining us sometime maybe next year or maybe even the next show. Who knows? We'll see how things go with everything. But I thank you guys for watching. And with that, we're peacing out.